Today is the 21st of July, 2022. And this time now is an opportunity that we have to practice developing samadhi to bring our minds to stillness and peace. So we do this through training our minds, training them in mindfulness, in being firm and well-established. And this is very important, because this samadhi, this firm establishment of the heart, will bring us right into the heart of these teachings. So it's this path of sila, samadhi, and panya. So sila, or virtue, when we've trained that well, the benefit that that brings us is samadhi. And samadhi that is well established will bring us wisdom. And when we have wisdom, then this will bring our hearts to vijja, to knowledge, and vimuti, this liberation. So when we're well collected in sila, this becomes the foundation for samadhi to arise. And the samadhi is something that we need to train, and we need methods for that training. Using the breath is one of those methods. So we can bring our attention to the in-breath and the out-breath. And we can also uh, use another method, kamatana, as well, such as developing metta, loving-kindness, karuna, compassion, mudita, sympathetic joy, nupeka, equanimity. And these four brahma-viharas, or divine abidings, they help our hearts to become well-established. They help to preserve the samadhi that we've developed already. So we develop this samadhi to the highest point that we're able to. Perhaps there's joy and happiness there, maybe in a state of upajara or neighborhood samadhi. And this isn't yet one-pointedness, but there is great energy to the mind here. And this is an appropriate state to use for the purpose of contemplation. So we take that peace and we use that to contemplate this body so that we see it in the light of its truth. This is something that is changing or inconstant. It's dukkha, it's stress, and anatta, not self. However, normally our minds understand it as being something that's constant, a source of happiness, and atta, a self. So why don't we see this? Why don't we see the inconstancy? And that's because there's something obstructing our vision, and that's continuity. So if we take that in terms of the breath, this in-breath and out-breath, we breathe in, we breathe out, and then there's another in-breath again. So there's continuity like this. But if we breathe in, but we don't breathe out, or we breathe out and we don't breathe in again, then we die. And the inconstancy of the body becomes obvious here. And what about this dukkha then? Dukkha is something that can't endure. And so you can see that these 
bodies, they're not able to endure. They need to change. Like if we sit for long periods, then we can't endure with that, it becomes painful. So we need to change our posture. And here we can see the dukkha of the body. And what about anatta, not self, what obstructs that? Once we see something as being a kind of coming together as an object or as a coagulation, and when that happens, then we see it as a self. But if we separate it out into its parts, then we can see it as not self. See, it is just a heap of earth, a heap of air, a heap of water, a heap of fire. And when we contemplate with wisdom in this way, then we see not-self. But when these elements all come together, the mind attaches, and we see the form as being a self. And that's through the power of this delusion that pushes us into suffering, even though we don't want to suffer. So we try to contemplate. We take a mind at peace to contemplate, seeing the body as anicca, dukkha, anatta, and the mind then experiences emptiness. Or for a feeling, liking, or aversion towards something, we tell ourselves it's not sure, it's changing. And wisdom can arise there, and the mind can become empty, empty from its attachments temporarily. And we see Nibbāna temporarily at this point as well. And perhaps this contemplation can go in very deep into our hearts. A practice can come together. Sila, Samadhi and Panya can all gather. We can see that with clarity. And knowledge arises once again. And here we see the Dhamma. We see the Buddha. And the heart is the Sangha. So as we carry on practicing, and these things go to a more and more profound level, and then we, until the point where we, uh, where this heart understands clearly into the state of the Dhamma, and then all of these things gather together as just one thing. There's this mind which has understood the Dhamma and it becomes the same thing as the Dhamma the same thing as the Buddha. So there's the Sangha and the Dhamma and the Buddha, a Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, that are all gathered together as just one thing. And it's not self. So there's no one who sees the Dhamma, no one who attains to the Dhamma. And it all comes together as just a single thing. You can't separate it out. There's no difference. But when we're little children, then we separate them out. We say, this is the Buddha, these are the Savakas, the awakened disciples, and this is the Dhamma. But when we gather it all together, then it's all the Savaka Buddhas, awakened disciples, it's all Buddha nature, it's nature of awakening. So this nature of awakening comes up uh, from the teachings and putting those teachings into practice. And we carry on practicing them until the heart becomes Buddha, becomes awakened. And it all gathers as just the one thing, 
the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, but there's no self there. So for practitioners, we need to get to this point until there's no more suffering. However, we do need to depend upon things in order to get there. We need to practice in the beginning. Until we get to this point, I'm sorry, we need to depend upon those people who have understood the Dhamma, who know the Dhamma, who have attained to the Dhamma, that we associate with them, we seek out their company. So during the Buddha's time, people would seek out the company of the fully self-awakened Buddha and his awakened disciples. But in this day and age, we can be with those people who have known the Dhamma and attained to the Dhamma as well. Or perhaps we just listen to the Dhamma, maybe we don't actually meet them in the flesh, but we can listen to the Dhamma of the Arahants um, in this day and age, the Dhamma of Venerable Ajahn Man, Ajahn Chah. And when we do that, then we can become their disciples, in that we take those teachings that we hear and we contemplate them. We look into their reasoning, we um, go through them, investigate them using wisdom. So when we do that, we take that Dhamma that we hear from these great teachers, and then we contemplate them with wisdom, and we put them into practice. And it's then like we are with them. So we continuously practice like this, listening to their Dhamma often, and taking that and using it, and putting that into practice, contemplating so that wisdom arises, so that we gain greater and greater clarity of vision, until all our doubts just go, all our doubts about meditation. So this Dhamma, it's the means for development, the means for progress. However, we need to put our efforts into the practice of that Dhamma. We really need to kind of go for it, need to put our efforts and need to try. And we put you know, the most effort that we're able to. Because it's natural that even though we don't want any bad thoughts to come up within our heart, still there are these unskillful things that come up. And even though they do, we shouldn't feel dejected, but rather we try to put them aside, we try to abandon them. We all want pure hearts, but it's not the case that we get everything as soon as we want it. So we need to practice, and we need to accept the truth as well. We need to accept the truth that our minds still think about all different kinds of things. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. And we know that. And then we practice as the Buddha taught, that for any unarisen, unskillful states, then 
uh, we put effort into their non-arising. Any of them that have arisen already, we put our efforts into abandoning them. In any skillful states that haven't yet arisen, we put our effort into their arising. And for those that have arisen already, we put our effort into nurturing them, cultivating them, developing them. And this here is right effort. So the great teachers, they taught us this, to have right effort and to practice in this way. So we follow their teachings and we um, accept them practice in line with them, and we don't argue with them anymore. We have acceptance there and respect for the truth. So just like they say that these forms are changing and stressful and not self, and we try to accept that, and if we accept that, then we see the Dhamma. Just like uh, the Brahmin, Diganaka, that he was able to accept what the Buddha taught him. But initially he had this view that he didn't like old age, sickness and death. And the fully self-awakened Buddha told him that Brahman, this view of yours is not correct. And this Brahman, his name literally means uh, the long-nailed Brahman, he was the nephew of Venerable Sariputta. And he didn't initially kind of was opposed to what the Buddha was saying to him. He was saying, thinking that, well, the things that I don't like, they're not good things. And the things that I do like, they give me happiness. But the Buddha asked, well, those things that you don't like, when you get them, you'll suffer, won't you? And he could see, well, these teachings of the Buddha, they're true. He could see that if he didn't accept that truth, then suffering would arise. And so it's better to accept them, and better to not experience that suffering. But what about us? For us, our minds are still opposed to this truth. They don't yet accept it. When our bodies get old, we don't want them to get old. We don't want for them to become ill. We don't want for them to pass away. But it's impossible for that to happen. That just goes against the ways of nature. So we should study and come to accept the Dhamma, accept the truth. Accept the fact that if there's birth, there also needs to be aging, sickness and death. In fact, that when these elements come together, then there's a period of development but then after that will also be a period of decay. And we don't know when that uh, decay is going to take place. Will it happen as a child? There are many children who get cancer. Many kids at the age of 10, they lose their lives. Many people who haven't reached the age of 20 when they die and many who die just after they come out of the womb. And that's not even mentioning those who die after the age of 20. So these sankharas, fabricated things, they're inconstant. And if we don't accept that truth, then we'll suffer. So just like one lay disciple of the Buddha, 
he had a child who was seven years old. And he was um, weaving some cloth and feeling quite sleepy while he was doing that. And his daughter came in and kind of opened up the door. And when she did that, he got a fright and let go um, of the shuttle. Uh, and the shuttle flew off the loom and hit her in the forehead. And she was just seven years old and she died. So he suffered a lot. But this daughter of his, before having uh, gone in through that room, she had listened to the Dhamma of the fully self-awakened Buddha. And she'd reached the level of Sotapanna, even just at the age of seven years old. So even though her body was that of a child, her um, heart was uh, great indeed, and had reached the level of a noble being. And for one in the state, when they die, they'll definitely go to a happy place, go to a heavenly location. But her father had a lot of suffering. However, the suffering resulted in the arising of wisdom. He went to listen to the teachings of the Buddha, and he reached the level of anagami, of non-returner. So initially he had that grief in his heart, but he was able to take um, that and accept the truth. And he was able to let go and reach the stage of anagami. So accepting the truth is very important. And we need to train ourselves so that we too can accept that truth seeing that old age, sickness and death are natural things. And that's all it takes to see the Dhamma. But if we don't accept that, if we don't have wisdom, then why is that? It's because our samadhi is not yet established. Our mindfulness is insufficient. Our sila, our virtue, is incomplete. So we need to develop all of these qualities. And we need to forbear, we need to train, we need to go against the things that obstruct us, even though that's difficult to do. But if we persist with that, then we will see the Dhamma for sure in this life. So may all of you set your hearts on this. <laughs>